Thank you for tuning in to Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz Podcast Plus. The Podcast Plus episodes are captured in arenas such as education, business, government, or general Q&A type discussions. They are messages spoken beyond the pulpit and are being brought to you as bonus podcast episodes to help you relate kingdom principles to community connections. I hope you enjoy the message. Invited here today to talk to you about brain health, which can sound like super boring, and maybe it might be to you, but I find it super interesting. So I am a certified biblical counselor, so we focus a lot on spiritual health, um, emotional health, obviously mental health, um, but to the same degree, we also do a lot of under, want to gain an understanding of the importance of brain health as well. So I am also a certified professional life coach, and I am certified in brain health coaching as well. And so what we find is they're all very important when we're taking somebody from a place of lack or poverty, whether it's emotional poverty, mental poverty, physical poverty, uh, financial poverty, and bringing them into the fullness and wholeness of life. It's all super, super important and all connected. So one of the things I'm going to talk about is a little bit about how your thoughts navigate the brain and how we have the power to navigate the health of our brain. So this is all about kind of empowering you that you have choices, that if you feel stuck in a particular situation, if you feel stuck in your circumstances, sometimes we feel stuck or victimized by our personality. So sometimes we feel like, well, I'm just a type A, and so I'm a control person, and so that's just the way I'm wired, and then we kind of feel like I can't control that. Um, and, and I'm here to give you good news, which is the thoughts that you exercise actually train and mold the brain, and your brain then actually controls your body. Okay, so we all can agree with that. Caroline Leaf says it all the time, that your thoughts control the brain, and your brain controls the body. So, how you think ultimately decides how you will live, and how you care for your brain also helps how you think, and how you think controls how your brain operates. So it's a little bit of a catch-22. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so he is. So that tells us that as I think, it begins to navigate and design the paradigm uh, that we live in. I'm currently working on writing my fourth book. It's called Enforcing You. And it's talking about how your core beliefs actually predetermine how you will perceive something. They predetermine what your perspective will be about that situation and ultimately the paradigm that you choose to walk in. So it begins to decide and navigate the pattern that your life will begin to take. But it all starts here, okay? So it's all kind of a catch-22. So it's both scientific and biblical that your brain, your brain health physically, physiologically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually not only affect how you live, but also how you live, how you live affects the brain physically, physiologically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. So I'm going to talk to you real quick about how I, as a life coach, quickly assess the wholeness of life with somebody. So I will ask them these four questions. I will often ask them, how are you feeling? And I'm asking them that question because I'm trying to get a real quick assessment of where they're at emotionally. So I'm asking, do you feel frenzied? Do you struggle with anxiety? Do you feel a little out of control? Do you feel satisfied with life or do you feel um, dissatisfied? And so I'm trying to gauge where are they at in their emotional health. The second question is, how are you functioning? Now, when I ask them that question, I'm asking about their physical health. Do you feel depleted? Are you fatigued? Are you tired? And so I'm asking about how they're feeling and how they're functioning. Then I will ask this question, how are you focusing? Now, when I'm asking that, I'm wanting to get a gauge of their mental health. Do you feel like you're able to focus well, or do you feel kind of frazzled and scattered? Are your thoughts kind of all over the map? Like, I can't really collect my thoughts. A lot of times we say, I'm having a hard time collecting my thoughts. Uh, these people tend to, uh, sometimes people tend to be, not feel agile, what we call brain agility, meaning I'm able to be flexible and I'm able to flow from one thought to the next. I'm able to flow from one task 
to the next with ease, with ease. So I'm able to focus and then smoothly move to another one. And then the final one is how I gauge their spiritual health. With a real quick question, I will ask them, how do you feel about your future? Meaning, do I have a perspective of things outside of my today, outside of what I'm currently living in? Do I feel a sense of hopefulness? Do I feel a sense of purpose? Or do I feel lost, like I'm just kind of wandering, victimized by, by life? Anybody feel victimized by life? Anybody feel victimized by your children? Anybody feel victimized by your budget? And so those are the things that we struggle with. So I'm asking those kinds of questions to quickly gauge where is your mind at? What does the wholeness of health look like for you? So this is the best way that I know to quickly also assess your physical health. Now, if we're often, if we're, if we're honest, we realize that too often we reduce physical health to these two questions. How much do you weigh and what size do you wear? And too often also we make exercise all about how much do you weigh and what size do you wear? Instead of realizing that exercise is not just about how much I weigh, but it's also about how do I feel, how am I functioning, how am I focusing, and how do I feel about my future? And exercise affects all of those things. Now, your brain loves exercise and needs exercise. So your brain loves basal, your basal ganglia loves yoga, and I'm gonna share with you why in a little bit. So as we age, exercise actually helps your executive functioning. We're gonna talk about your prefrontal lobe, uh, your prefrontal cortex, your PFC, and the executive control that it brings to our lives and the importance of that. But it also plays a big factor in managing stress. Of course, we all know that it helps reduce the effects of stress as well. So let me give you some physical facts about the brain, just kind of some fun. Here goes into the nerdy part of this uh, little, little teaching. So you have over 100 billion neurons in your brain. There are more connections, neuron connections in your brain than there are stars in the universe. That's exciting, right? Did you know that your body, your, your brain weighs approximately 2% of your body weight, but it uses 20 to 30% of the calories that you take in? So your brain actually needs quite a few calories, okay? So let's think about this practically. You guys just talked about nutrition. A lot of times we think, I need to lose weight, so what am I going to do? I'm going to cut my calories back. And our brain does not like that. Okay? Now, our brain does like the kinds of calories. Okay? So it is important, and you probably already learned a lot about that. But here we learn that our brain actually uses 20 to 30% of the calories that we take in our brain needs in order to function at its greatest potential. Okay? So 20% of the oxygen that you breathe in and the blood flow in your body is going through your brain, okay? So when we're feeling stressed out and we're not breathing well, your brain is being depleted of oxygen and blood. The fastest way to get your oxygen pumping and your blood pumping is by exercising, right? So this is why our brain loves exercise. Now, interesting to note, uh, that your behavior can either accelerate or decelerate how fast your brain ages. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and, and the behaviors that we choose to engage in. Fun to note, as your fat percentage increases, your prefrontal lobe, your prefrontal cortex function actually begins to drop. So they call it the dinosaur syndrome, meaning big body, little head. <laughs> So the higher your fat percentage goes, because your fat percentage is where, is, is where your body becomes the most inflamed and toxins are stored in inflammation and in fat cells. So your brain gets actually more toxins flowing through it the higher your fat percentage is. How many of you guys actually, instead of looking at your weight, you look at your fat per your, do they do that in Camp Gladiator, the fat percentage type stuff? So that's, that's something to watch for and saying, like, as my fat percentage goes down, I'm expecting my prefrontal cortex function to go up, okay? So because that's, that's a scientific fact. Uh, interesting to note that uh, girls' brains are fully developed at the age of 25, while a male's brain is 28 before it is fully developed. So here are some things, uh, and, and I said pun intended on this. These are no-brainers, but these are things that can uh, affect your brain negatively. 
brain injuries, drugs and alcohol, obesity, lack of activity, having a poor diet, insomnia, nicotine, environmental toxins, high blood pressure and diabetes, low hormones, it's real, it's a real thing, having chronic stress affects the brain negatively, emotional trauma, untreated depression, making poor decisions, okay? So all of these things are connected. When I'm making poor decisions, how I'm living, I explained to the group last time, that if I am stressed out, my cortisol is running very high. And when my cortisol is high, that typically is kind of like a teeter-totter. The higher my cortisol gets, the lower my serotonin gets. My serotonin, my dopamine, which are my feel-good hormones. Also my testosterone, which is my power hormone, begins to drop, okay? So there is a healthy amount of cortisol that our body is, and our brain is, it's a fight or flight, which keeps me from getting hit by a car when I have that reaction. That's a push of cortisol. But if I have a poor push of cortisol too fast at the wrong time, I'll have a panic anxiety attack where I feel panicked, okay? And there, your serotonin, and I feel victimized, I feel out of control, I feel like I have no power in this moment, my testosterone is dropping, my cortisol is raising up, okay? So there's a balance there that needs to take place. So when we're taking a look at the decisions that we make and stress, and healthy relationships or the state of your relationships, there's a lot of times we do a lot of counseling for relationships. My third book is all about healthy relationships. And I, to the core, wrote the book because number one cause that people come into our housing program or into counseling for, you can probably confirm this, Kyler, as a counselor, is relationship. It's the number one thing. People don't know what a healthy relationship looks like, they're stressed out in their relationship, they feel victimized by a relationship, and that affects the health of your brain, and it affects all the way your hormones are going up and down. Okay, so say all those things in the opposite, and that's how, how uh, the things that affect our brains positively. When we make good decisions, engaging in regular mental workouts, which we're gonna talk about mental exercise, activity, good nutrition, good consistent sleep, you guys know you can't make up for lost sleep, right? <laughs> you cannot make up for lost sleep. Uh, they actually did a study on, um, uh, with the, uh, people that was either in the Army or the Navy, and what they did was they looked at their function levels, a difference by cutting back an hour and how it was, it was crazy, the percentage of their ability to function, how vastly it began to drop with just loss of one hour sleep. So how many of you can say you sleep every night on an average of seven to eight hours? How many of you, that's your intention? Uh, for women, it's because you have a baby. Okay, some of us are perimenopausal. Some of it's because I just can't fall asleep or stay asleep because our hormones are all whatever. Uh, some of us, uh, you, how much do you sleep regular on regular? I'm, gonna call you, I'm calling you out. Four to five, is that intentional? It just turns, so, so you just have a hard time sleeping. Staying asleep is a problem. Interesting. Yeah, so there are some probably some slight uh, diet adjustments and some supplements that you could use that will help you stay asleep. So it sounds like you fall asleep, but you have a hard time staying asleep. Is that correct? Okay. Try, try getting some 5-HTP or some SAM-E. It's called SAM-E. It's a nutrition or, a supp or it's a supplement. You could probably try that, and it will probably help you. So engaging those kinds of things. Interesting to note, having physical health, your physical health, um, a healthy weight, um, appropriate anxiety. I talked about that. How there is a good good level of anxiety. We want uh, those young boys who don't have that level of some fear in their life make really dumb choices, and a lot of times uh, that's why they end up getting hurt. Uh, so they say that you're uh, the number one characteristic trait. Uh, that causes longevity of life is actually conscientiousness. So have any of you read the book Longevity? It's a great book. There's a book out called Longevity where they did a study and the number one characteristic trait was conscientiousness. Basically, I am aware and I am um, engaged conscientiously. I'm self-controlled and walking in wisdom. Okay, so all of this also connects with how God calls us to live our lives biblically. So satisfying relationships, uh, one of the things that we call ant killing, which is your automatic negative thoughts. All of us struggle with automatic negative thinking. 
when we can identify what is my what is my go-to negative thought and what typically triggers it. So I teach a lot of my clients, define what you're thinking or feeling, identify what triggered it, decide what you want to do with it, and declare truth over it. Okay, if we could teach every kid to do that, they would live a lot better lifestyle, right? But it's teaching ourselves how to control our thoughts, how to take to kill those ants, those, the automatic negative thinking. So let's get into the fun part. I think it's the fun part. Did you think it was the fun part? Actually talking about all the different brain functions and it's interesting. So, so of course, uh, we understand that there are two hemispheres. You have your left hemisphere, your right hemisphere. The fastest way I can tell you what the left hemisphere versus the right hemisphere is, if I was looking at a puzzle, the pieces would be the left side, the picture would be the right side. If I was standing in a forest, the trees would be the left side, the forest would be the right side. So your right hemisphere typically controls more of your creative side, more of the big picture, holistic. Uh, interesting to note that um, People who are right-sided, typically, uh, when they're looking at math, they kind of look at it backwards, so they take it from the answer and can work backwards, versus people who are left-brained who can work the problem this way. Um, so sometimes if we can re-figure out what, if your student is primarily right-brained or left-brained, you can figure out how to teach them math more effectively. Um, so your left brain is your logical, detailed, doesn't see a whole lot of problems, whereas your right side is your big picture, your creative, it's your decorative part, but it also focuses on a lot of problems, has a lot of fear, has a lot of anxieties. Okay, so let's talk about the different parts and the different functions of the brain. Your PFC is your prefrontal cortex. We all know it's right here, right? We all say this is my prefrontal lobe. This is actually 30% of your brain is your PFC. Now, your PSC is what we call your executive control center. With my students, I call it their Jiminy Cricket. It's the voice that talks to you and tells you kind of what's possibly going to have it happen, how to have good judgment, how to organize, how to have impulse control, self-control. It's the part of my brain that really causes me to hone in and focus on something and to take uh, note of uh, to take note of details in a particular situation. Now, if uh, my PFC is not functioning well, uh, I often struggle keeping focus or have in a, or, or, or am inattentive. Um, so a lot of our ADD issues are because your PFC is not functioning that high. Now, if I told you that your ADD is always because of this part of your brain, I'd be lying to you. There's actually seven different forms of ADD. And sometimes we give the wrong medicine for the wrong kind of ADD. Um, if you have ADD kids, you know that sometimes it's kind of like a roulette wheel, and sometimes some meds make them worse than others. Uh, because if I give them an SSRI, but they actually already are producing too much serotonin, that could be a really bad thing for them. They might actually need dopamine. So somebody who has a real strong PFC malfunction uh, actually needs more dopamine than they do serotonin. Okay. You're now, now she's like, oh, God, you just completely lost me. So your prefrontal lobe loves dopamine, okay? The fastest way to release dopamine is eating protein. So protein releases dopamine in the brain. Intense aerobic exercise. Intense aerobic exercise is one of the fastest ways to release dopamine. One of the things that we know about people who have PFC problems, um, they love to create conflict because it gives them that dopamine high that they're looking for. They love scary movies. They love to be startled. They love suspense because they love that kind of stimulation. Uh, those are kind of the boys that take risky, have risky behavior uh, because their PFC is bored. Okay, and it needs to be stimulated. It's looking to be stimulated. So uh, behavioral treatments are coaching or goal-setting practices. So learning how to goal-set, coaching, having that accountability, teaching somebody how to bring a sense of order into their life. Relationship counseling is typically very important for people who have problems with the PFC, not being able to uh, focus or have a forethought of how a relationship is going to affect how they respond in a particular situation. Um, stimulating activities uh, also is important for um, people who need attention to their PFC. 
So now I'm going to take you to, um, I, I'm using the, the acronyms, ACG is your anterior cingulate gyrus. If you had a mohawk in your hair right now, this would be your anterior cingulate gyrus. It's the mohawk portion of your brain. Now, I like to call this your brain's gear shifter. It's what causes me uh, to be able to flow from one thought to another uh, without any problem. It's the part of my brain that helps me see options in the middle of a problem. And I don't get stuck on that problem. And I don't see a problem. And I can't see a way out. And all of a sudden, I'm filled with anxiety. And I'm worrying and meditating on that particular thing. And I'm stuck in a loop in my mind. And I can't seem to shift out of it. Am I talking to anybody in the room? Okay, when you're having that problem, if I were to do a brain spect on your brain, what we would see is this part of your brain is lit up. It's all kinds of lights, all kinds of flashing because that part of your brain has gotten too active. It's overactive now. One of the fastest ways to calm that down is serotonin. One of the fastest ways to release serotonin in your body is exercise and frankly eating a carbohydrate. So if you are a person that struggles with that, anybody feel um, you get irritated when you get interrupted or a lot, and you, especially when you get what we call hangry, right? So sometimes that's because I'm having a hard time focusing and I'm feeling irritable and I, you're interrupting me, my PFC is dropping, my anterior cingulate gyrus is dropping, I potentially I need to eat some protein and some carbs, okay? So we can need to calm that down. So your brain is actually telling you what you need um, and exercise when you're at work and you've had a hard day and you're stressed out and you can't seem to stop thinking about your peer at work that was a total idiot that day, right? Or that you're going to get in trouble or whatever. And then you go and you work out and suddenly you feel better. Because the serotonin has literally calmed down that part of your brain that has become overactive. Now we have two men in the room, so I will tell you also that the fastest, one of the fastest ways to release serotonin and dopamine is by having an orgasm. Sex is good for your brain. So your brain actually, and it keeps a balance of your hormones, um, and so sex, and, and it's not just sex, it's having an orgasm, guys, so she has to have an orgasm. Um, so <laughs> so it's, it's healthy for your brain as well. I personally love the anterior cingulate gyrus is one of my favorites, most fascinating part of the brain to me, other than the amygdala, which I find fascinating as well. When we need to raise serotonin, uh, somebody whose who's ACG is too low, uh, often they lack um, motivation. They tend to kind of be sloths. They're not really, they don't want to engage in a whole lot of physical activity. Uh, they're low, mo they're, they have low movement, movement and they also lack in um, verbal expression. They have a hard time really kind of expressing what they're thinking verbally. They don't really care to get into all of it. I don't really want to talk about it, okay? This is why we typically see men have a higher functioning of the PFC. Typically, and I'm saying typically, typically women have a little bit hotter of an ACG. You guys like all the women, yeah, I feel so validated right now. So one of the ways to really kind of bring um, some good balance into your ACG is by uh, engaging in something physically in order to distract what's going on in your mind. Um, so sometimes we say you have to choose to shift. So sometimes if I'm sitting in a particular spot and I can't get out of a particular, I'll just get up and just start walking around the room. Because I'm just going to engage or I'll decide I'm going to... I will give kids practical, like if they're focused and stuck on a worry, I will say every time you worry or you feel anxiety, I want you to get down and give me 10 push-ups. I'm doing several things by doing that. Number one, physical exercise is going to release that serotonin, but I'm also using distraction modification in order to change their thought process. Okay, so I'm doing several things when I'm doing that. Um, so we can be all kinds of creative. Uh, one of my favorite assignments for especially teenage boys who have really strong ADHD, which is the attention deficit with the hyperactivity, uh, which is several things being hot all at the same time. But in order to engage the whole brain and release a lot of, so I'm going to engage focus along with hand movement, along with smooth movement is juggling. It's actually a great way to actually, and because they need movement, so they're moving, but they have to focus. And so I'll tell them that their assignment is to learn how to juggle, and they love it. And so when they're feeling overactive, and, and we've learned even sometimes in classes, even so they have those widgets, right? So that's why the widget, the fidgeting, same thing with the juggling. Um, and so it's just great what's happening in the brain when you're learning how to juggle. Okay, so 
Uh, raising your uh, serotonin is uh, vitamin D is a great. How many of you take vitamin D in here? I'm a huge vitamin D plant fan. How many of you had if it had your blood checked for vitamin D? Was it low? Yours was not. Oh, that's great. Was yours low? Okay. Most people are low. And so I, I live and breathe by vitamin D. I think it's huge. Go for a walk in the sunshine. Get out in the sun. Consistent good sleep, lowering your stress, foods high in tryptophan, uh, exercise, aerobic exercise, massage also releases the serotonin. That's your feel good. We like touch, right? Most of us do. Some people are like, no, it stresses me out. Mood induction, which is basically engaging in thoughts of, uh, thoughts of joy, gratitude, thanksgiving. Um, and, and really just in releasing positivity. And of course, all of this goes back to things that we learn in the Bible. Being anxious for nothing but in everything in prayer and supplication, the thanksgiving of heart, grant your request before the Lord, and the peace of God that transcends your understanding will guard your heart and your mind until the day of Christ Jesus. So if I actually engage in what the scripture tells me to do, whatever is beautiful, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, set your mind on such things. Those are called mood induction activities, where I'm actually inducing the mood I want to be in, because we have the power to do that. But while you're doing that, you're actually causing physiological chemical changes in your brain. You're creating new neural pathways to which you're teaching and training your brain to think differently. So it's all connected. So let's talk about the basal ganglia. That's the part right here. And again, there's a left side, right side. It's this sense of calm. It's also where we blend our feelings with our movement. So when I'm excited, I go like this. So I have blended my feeling with a movement. It's because my basal ganglia is a little bit more active than other people. How many of you have ever seen me like actually preach from a pulpit? Anybody in here? Okay, so I get very engaged physically. That's my basal ganglia is all in. I mean, it's like I am all up in that deal. And so, I'm, all, so I'm, I'm blending my feelings and my emotions with my movement, and I'm all into it. And so it's also the part of you that's involved in, with motivation and smooth movements such as writing. Okay? So I was telling the last class that I think we've done a huge disservice by taking away cursive writing and teaching our kids how to write cursive. Um, because one of the fastest ways to calm anxiety and to bring a sense of calm and peace is by engaging. How many of you do uh, the adult coloring books? Right? Because it calms that smooth movement, engaging in the colors. I'm shifting from my left brain to my right brain. So there's a lot that goes on when we're teaching kids how to cursive. By the way, when they're looking at a Chromebook all day, they're highly, highly engaging their left brain and leaving out a lot of their right brain. But we're, we're not activating both sides of the brain all day long. Okay? We're only tapping into one side of the brain when they're not learning how to do a lot of smooth movements anymore. Everything's um, technological. Everything's left-brained. Um, so that, that is a huge problem for your basal ganglia. If our basal ganglia is really in duress, uh, that's when we have panic anxiety attacks. Uh, it's when we, do, we um, tend to isolate or avoid conflict. Uh, because we're panicked on the inside, we're internalizing things. Your right side, typically your right side internalizes or is as inwardly directed anxiety. Okay, everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say inwardly, meaning I'm attacking myself and my own brain, which by the way is the root of autoimmune disorders, because remember your thoughts control your brain, your brain controls your body. So if my thoughts are continuously inwardly attacking me, eventually your physical body will manifest and autoimmune disorders. So one of the ways we address autoimmune disorders is by attacking the automatic negative thinking that goes on in our mind. That was free. So increased activity on your left side causes irritability and you have outward anxiety where you tend to be irritable with people around you. Okay, so let's talk about the deep limbic system. Your deep limbic system actually, not surprisingly, is larger in the female brain. It's the part of your brain that controls kind of your bonding, caretaking, nesting instinct. It's also your sense of smell. Most women have a stronger sense of smell. Than, you know, have you ever been like to your husband, do you smell it? I'm like, what? I don't smell anything. It's also your mood control, also, also your motivation, your attitude, your appetite. Um, in your sleep. So your deep limbic system is typically when there's malfunctions or it's in duress is typically when we experience deep depression, dark thoughts, suicidal tendencies, 
isolation type behaviors where we tend to isolate ourselves, um, where we have poor motivation, no focus or vision for our future. Increased activity in your deep limbic system is often associated with depression and negativity. On the left side, you are more often to deal with, again, the anger and the irritability, where your right side is more associated in the inward-directed sadness, okay, where you have kind of an internal, I'm lonely sadness. So again, uh, solutions or behavioral treatment is intense aerobic exercise. You guys seeing a theme here? So I'm just giving you the scientific fact of how much your brain loves exercise. How much your brain needs exercise to be balanced in all those different functions. Because somewhere along here as I've been talking, and I've been going through them really fast. As I've been going through, you're like, ooh, ooh, yeah, ooh. (laughs) You know, and so we're starting to realize, ooh, this is why it's so important. So we also want to increase a prefrontal, uh, prefrontal activity. Why? Because your deep limbic um, is often what we call your emotional brain, um, and so or, and your and so by engaging your prefrontal, we're kind of pulling away from the emotions and into the intellect, um, and so bringing that balance in that is um, super important as well. Higher protein, lower carb, typically for your um, deep limbic. So uh, let's real fast here. I'm going to go over. I'm kind of keep my eye on the time, so I'm skimming real fast. Physical exercise and its effects on the brain. Uh, physical exercise not only boosts blood flow but also positive nutrients. It actually stimulates the brain's ability to generate new brain cells. Did you guys know you're gener- you can generate new brain cells? So while you're dying and can't breathe, go, I am stimulating some new brain cells right now, okay? So I can have a new thought process when I leave here and actually change the way I'm thinking. This, this should be empowering to you. We don't realize how much exercise is connected to the way I live my life and how I live my life. So it protects the, protects the brain cells against toxins, repairs damaged cellular DNA. So you can actually repair damaged DNA by exercising. Boosting cognitive ability, reducing the risk of cognitive impairment, improving cholesterol and your fat metabolism, increasing the likelihood that you will choose healthier foods. So the healthier your brain gets, the better you are self-controlled, conscientious in the decisions that you make. Because again, we get caught up in that catch-22, right? Oh, I've already screwed up today. I'll just eat everything in the cabinet, and then tomorrow I won't have the temptation. So that's not; those are not healthy choices. <laughs> you guys, everybody's like, I don't ever do that. <laughs> okay, easing ADD, improving sleeping habits. How many of you sleep better when you exercise more? Yes. Okay, that's a scientific fact. How many of you know sleeping more? Your brain restores so much, especially if you sleep from ten to two. Those are crucial hours. Your um, endocrine system restores the majority of your endocrine system, that's those your adrenals, your endocrine, your, all your glands, restore, and your brain restores, like, I can't remember, this, but it's a high percentage, it's from 10 to 2. So if you don't go to bed till 12, you've already lost two hours of crucial hours. Okay. Was it this group I asked? Yeah, about how many hours of sleep you guys are getting. So you, you should try and wrap up your day by about 10 o'clock. Um, because that's, those are crucial hours. And if you're only going to sleep four to five hours a night, make sure it's from 10 to 2. Huh? Oops. Um, so a lot of times we stay up trying to wait until we're tired to go to, instead of, and then we get what we call overtired. You've missed out on the circadian rhythm that your body is natural. Um, so, and I have told my husband that for you. I'm like, if I don't go to bed between 10 and 11, I have a hard time falling asleep. It's like I miss it. I miss my opportunity. And so I've learned like, oh, I need to go to bed now. So let's talk about brain-specific physical exercises. You talked about yoga. Uh, Yoga, your basal ganglia loves yoga. Why? Because your basal ganglia is your sense of calm, right? So that yoga brings that focus, that mentality. It releases serotonin. Um, And so your basal ganglia loves yoga. Um, It also loves um, chai tea, by the way, Um, (laughs) because it's a very soothing herb. Um, And so it calms that anxiety. Your PFC loves intense aerobic exercise. It helps boost your blood flow and dopamine into the brain, uh, which has been helped, shows to help with impulsivity. I feel more controlled of my life and not so out of control. I feel like I have more authority in my life. Now, all this is biblical, 
Because remember, one of the very first blessings that God prayed over Adam and Eve, he said, stand upon the earth, subdue it, have dominion upon the earth. Meaning, you are the head always and not the tail. And so when I'm exercising and that dopamine is being engaged, my PFC is coming into how God created it to be, which is I don't feel like I'm being victimized or I'm the dog being wagged by the tail anymore. But I feel like I have a sense of authority coming back into my life. Okay, So all that is super connected. Your deep limbic also loves aerobic activities, um, such as dancing or joining in local sports or team sports. So your deep limbic, remember, that's kind of your uh, emotional area. And so it likes to bond with people. Uh, so people, uh, a lot of us function well in team sports, and that is why. Uh, your cerebellum is back here. That's your large motor. That's where your large motor takes place uh, here. And so your uh, cerebellum loves dancing, uh, table tennis, um, and also, again, large motor exercises, big exercising, um, those kinds of things. You talked about mental exercising. Nobody else engages in any mental exercising, and that's okay. But I'm going to challenge you to engage on a regular basis in some mental exercising to the same degree that you exercise your physical body, exercising your actual brain as well. So some of the ways we can do that is actually through particular games like crossword puzzles, word games, memory games. Um, those are great ways to actually exercise your brain. You can actually download brain apps where they'll teach you how to focus, and you can engage in focus-type exercises uh, where you can train your brain how to focus better. Because remember, your brain can be trained. So you can train your brain. Uh, we talked a little bit about um, tapping on the forehead while speaking truths. So if I'm kind of tapping and engaging, so now I'm just kind of tapping to kind of bring a sense of focus. Okay, so a lot of times, um, if I'm trying to work through some people who have um, maybe chronic pain, we'll ask them to tap on particular areas of their body. We'll do the collarbone, we'll do the forehead. Um, sometimes we'll have them tap on the back of their hand. Kids who are ADD, not for any particular reason other than I'm giving them something to do with their hands, I'll have them tap and count one, two, three, four, two, two, three, four, three, two, three, four, four, two, three, four, five, two, three, four, six, two, and I'll have them count and do all the way to 10. And I'll ask them to do that every day, several times a day for about a week, just teaching them how to stay focused. Did you get all the way to 10? No, I only got to 4. Okay, let's try it again. Because I'm really trying to get them to engage in focusing. Okay, and train their brain to focus by engaging physical activity, the fidgeting that they need, and actually engaging the prefrontal lobe to be like, am I on 2 or 3, right? 2, 3, 2, 2, 3, 4, 3, 2, 3, 4, 4, 2, 3, 4, Five, two, three, four, six, two, three, four. So a lot of times with my little kids, um, we'll do a lot of that kind of stuff, just teaching them. Um, I might give them a statement to say. Sometimes I say, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is Lord. Because then I'm brainwashing them because I love that. Um, and so, <laughs> not afraid to say it. So sometimes if we're feeling out of control, out of focus, I'm feeling like totally crazy in this moment. Really me. Okay, so I'll be like, Jesus Christ is Lord. Or you feel like your emotions are just like, I'm about to dig some holes in the backyard and bury some people here. Uh, so I'll be like, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm mentally, emotionally bringing a sense of focus, control. I'm engaging my physical body in it, and which calms down that basal ganglia. Because remember, my basal ganglia likes smooth, fine motor, motor movements. And so I'm doing all kinds of things to, to exercise my brain. So obviously prayer and meditation is a huge one. Um, but for some people, the presence of God is so abstract. So I might give them something to focus on. I might say, let's, uh, I want you to, I talked a little bit about the hand-warming hand techniques. Uh, where in a moment I might put my hands on the table. In fact, everybody put your hand in your lap for a minute. Because we have some time, let's just do this. And close your eyes. And I want you to just kind of silent your mind for a moment and just think about your hands. I want you to get real focused on your hands and your fingertips. Just get real focused on your hands and your fingertips. So as you're kind of focused on your hands and your fingertips, are your, just kind of think, are my hands cool? Are they cold? Are they warm? 
would for me just real gently just kind of bring your hands together. Keep focused. And just kind of just gently just rub your hands. Just stay focused on your hands for a moment. Just focus on how they feel. Do they feel rough? Do they feel smooth? Do you feel like your right hand is maybe more dominant than your left? Just really focusing on your hands. Okay, you can snap out of that place and take a look at me. Now it seems really ridiculous, but for a moment you were completely focused. Your prefrontal cortex was completely engaged, focusing on your hands. You were navigating your thoughts based on what you were feeling. So you were taking, you were being, Anybody feel like you're navigated by your thoughts instead of directing your thoughts? Okay? So we're supposed to be in control. That's why it says take captive every thought. Instead of being out of control and being navigated by our thoughts. So it's just teaching yourself how to bring a sense of calm and control. Really good for kids who struggle with anger. Giving them something to do to release their energy. Uh, sometimes <laughs> with young boys, we've got to give them a physical outlet. Uh, so we might give them, I might give them some anger rocks. We might talk to mom and dad and say, hey, when little Johnny, if they live out in the country, when little Johnny feels angry, here's his box of rocks, and I want him to just throw that anger away from him. Anger, you're not wanted, and I'm going to release you. But I'm giving him that physical release as well. So what we're doing there is just focusing, and that's a mental exercise. Uh, they do it a lot in yoga, where you kind of focus on, your, your mind, and you focus on your shoulders, and then the muscles in your arms and your hands, and you, you just kind of start to feel like jello, right? Because you're navigating and you're telling your body what to do. Because your thoughts control your brain, and your brain controls your body. So you're telling your body how you want it to feel right now. I'm telling my body I want you to be still. I want you to relax. Deep breathing is a huge um, mental exercise that is very, very good, again, for that basal ganglia, which you do a lot in yoga. You breathe in, and you breathe out. A fun little nugget I shared with the other group that uh, a lot of times that's why people smoke. It's not the nicotine, it's the deep breaths that they're addicted to. And so we have um, our residents cut cigarette or straws in half, take out half their cigarettes, put straws in there, and every other cigarette that they have, they pull out a straw and they pretend like they're smoking. But what they're doing is they're with a straw. And it's crazy how they're like, oh my gosh. Because they need that hand-to-mouth fixation. Because you've got hand-eye coordination going on there, which does what? Calms down the basal ganglia. Remember I talked about tennis ta ta table tennis and the hand-eye coordination movement? So when they're smoking, they're engaging in hand-eye coordination with deep breathing, and they're focused on that cigarette. Because if they're not, they're going to burn themselves. So the enemy is using what God has given, tactics that God has given to us for our brain to walk in perfect health. So we can mimic that using a straw, okay? Uh, when I was quitting smoking, I would always suck on a, on a sucker. Not the best choice because of the, suck, uh, the sugar. But I didn't know the straw trick, trick then. I was, it was years ago. Um, but I needed that hand-to-mouth and something, you know, the oral fixation, the hand-to-mouth, all of that uh, movement going on. So uh, there's all different kinds of um, different um, activities and exercises we can engage in. So let me close by sharing this one with you because I think it's fun. Um, and it's talking about, as we're addressing fear, um, talking about the power positions because most of us, at the root of a lot of our challenges is fear and anxiety feeling a sense of, I don't have control. Uh, so we uh, talk a lot about the power positions. So your power positions, if I were to swipe the inside of your cheek to check your uh, hormone levels, uh, before you do these power positions, and then you were standing in these power positions uh, for three to four minutes, and I swiped your cheek again, what we would see is a drop in your cortisol and, a, and an increase in your, um, in your testosterone which is your power hormone, and your, your cortisol is your stress hormone, your testosterone is your power hormone, um, your dopamine, your serotonin is kind of your, your feel-good, okay? Um, which, by the way, dopamine is most of the time what people are getting from drugs, we know that, right? Okay. So um, your power, power position number one is the superwoman. Okay, so there is... 
So when I'm feeling not confident in a situation, it's interesting because I have a resident uh, client uh, who is my count, I am their counselor, and so I was talking to them as they were feeling very intimidated by a different resident. Um, and so I said, well, before you have that conversation with them, you know, make sure you practice your Anyway, so she noticed that the other resident did it as well. They both were like, I, so her counselor was also telling her to woman up on her, to superwoman. So they were both practicing the power position with each other, like this. But if you think about the animal kingdom, when they're, the animal that gets the biggest is the one that's usually the one that's going to be the dominant one. They get real big when they're feeling dominant. A peacock, he shows his feathers when he's wanting to show off his testosterone attack a female, right? It's the same thing with, you, you guys have seen, you know, Jurassic Park. Right? <laughs> I always think about that, but I'm like, you know, he's like showing off how powerful he is. So this is power position number one, the superwoman. Power position number two <clears throat> is when I raise my hands like this. Power position, highest power position is my hands are up and my chin is up like this. Now, if you were to walk into a church and I were standing here like this right now, what would you say I was doing? Praising and worshiping. Is there a reason why God has called us to praise and worship? Because it brings balance to the brain. Okay, so everything I'm telling you is already biblical. Meditating, focusing on positive thoughts, induced mood induction, um, engaging physically with the Holy Spirit. So if I start talking about the presence of the Lord in my hands, if I start talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit within me that's like oil running over my head, down my shoulders, down to my fingertips, all the way down my legs, to the tips of my toes. Okay, so that's what they're doing in yoga, right? They're talking about bringing that meditation, that relaxation. So everything that God teaches us in the scriptures is actually for brain health, bringing good brain health. Scientists are just catching up to what God's been saying all along, that's all. So your sitting power positions is anything big. You're actually sitting in a semi-powered position. Uh, you're actually in a low-powered position, not to point you out, but just to see. Look how she's real small. She's kind of curled up now. Fun to think about how do most of our kids sit nowadays with their cell phones? Like this. What is the enemy doing? Building confidence or taking confidence away? Yes, and their brain is actually being developed in this position. Um, and so there uh, are some serious concerns that they're beginning to show. They're, they're just now beginning to see the long-term effects of kids who have been on electronics for six to eight hours a day because it's just been a decade that... So they're just now starting to see the long-term effects, and I won't share all that with you because it's really scary. And it made me freak out. I was like, <laughs> um, So you're in a semi-powered position. Um, anything big. So everybody just kind of take your arms, sit back, and put your arms kind of back over your, the back of your chair. Yeah, yeah, like that. Oh, that says a lot of confidence. It's like, come on. Right? If I'm a guy, I'm going to sit back. Girls do this, too. But we see guys do this a lot, kind of sit back with their legs like this, or they'll put their legs up on their desk. The executive position, that's a high-power position when you're sitting. So a lot of times our feminine position in our attempt is actually a lower-power position. And, and it's not that you're trying to send a message. It's that actual chemical changes are taking place in your brain in those different positions. Does that make sense? So you're going to be working overnights? Yeah. Like okay. Seven, seven, eight. Yeah, so... It's really, it really isn't good for your body, and you'll notice that. But what I will tell you is to make the best of it is to pick a consistent, you still need to get, so a lot of times when people sleep those shifts, what they do is they come home and they sleep for four hours, and then they break it up and they sleep for another four hours. That's actually not the best. The best is still for you to have a consistent bedtime and a consistent. So consistent sleep is just as important as good sleep, Okay. So, but I will also tell you not to sleep too much, okay? So, a lot of times, because you're working overnight, you're probably going to need a, a good, so a lot of times people work the overnights forever, work the overnights forever, and so he did that. He would come and sleep for two hours, and then he would go to another job, and then he would sleep for two hours, and then he would go coach basketball, and then he would sleep for an hour and a half before, and had terrible sleep habits. So try and get a chunk of sleep and try and make sure you're getting seven to eight hours, okay? And make it as consistent as possible. So do the best you can to think seven to eight hours, consistent time frame. So if you're not gonna go to sleep, if, say you have something going on and you're not gonna go to sleep till 10 a.m., then decide 10 a.m. to 
5 p.m. is my sleep time. Close your, get your eye things so it's dark. Get some earplugs. Turn off your phone. If you can, not have your phone in your room. That's best um, because a lot of that can mess with your circadian rhythm as well. So that's the best I can tell you. Does that help you? Yeah. So, but a lot of times people think, I'm going to sleep for four hours, then I'm going to sleep for four hours, and that's not the best. The best is that chunk of sleep. So that your body moves in and out of that REM sleep um, as many cycles as it needs to or should in that time frame. Yeah, but you know those people are not functioning. Well, let's go back to those four questions. How are you feeling? How are you functioning? How are you focusing? And how do you feel about your future? And those people feel terrible. You felt terrible during those. You know, you're always like, yes, look at him. He's like, yes. He was always just like not feeling well, had a continuum of cold, had all kinds of allergies, all that stuff. It's not what's best. It's what, you have, what God has dealt with you right now. So what I will tell you is love where you're at and realize that every season is significant, that God is still working in it, so you're not doomed. But do the best you can and make good choices. Protect you. Guard that time, because you have your kids, I know. You'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll get up and go in here. You have to tell them this is important, and here's why it's important. It's important to my brain, and it's important for you to minister to you very, very well. Because you will only minister to your kids to the same degree as you minister to yourself first. Okay? A little bit of mommy tips for you. You're welcome. Anybody else? Good question. If you have a chance, I would encourage you to read through Psalm 63. It goes through all the different things that we talked about. You can watch David engaging in good brain health as he says, I will seek you. I will focus on you. I will look for you first. I will focus on your power and your glory. My lips will speak of you. My lips will praise you. My hands will raise up to you. My soul shall be satisfied. I will meditate on you. I will speak about you. I will remember you. And so he's engaging all the actions in here are mental, emotional, and spiritual exercises that are keeping his brain healthy. Healthy. So if you have, he's a great example. Psalm 63 is a great example of how do I engage in mental, emotional, spiritual.